welcome back to the um, CEO journey. Uh, you're joining us for the third episode. Um, today we've got a really special one. We've got our first um, ever guest on the podcast. He goes by the name of Louis Bollard. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Louis. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so if you could just briefly introduce yourself um, to the listeners who probably don't know you, um, that'd be great. Yeah, so hi guys. Um, my name is Louis. Um, I'm uh, an entrepreneur from Bath. I uh, have started Host a Fan, which is a community of rugby fans who host each other on away trips um, that we can kind of like get into a little bit more. Um, and before that, I ran a previous startup, which was a healthy protein snack. Um, and I'm actually an alumni from uh, University of Bath as well, from both undergraduate uh, BBA course um, and more recently the MBA course as well. Yeah, I think I think we actually, Joe and I met you at the Invictus business event, wasn't it, where yeah, I, uh, we I guess uh, startup entrepreneurs at the university pitch um, their ideas to try and receive equity-free funding. So it was good to good to meet you there. Um, you were a panelist, weren't you, the guest speaker? So we learned a bit about you there. Yeah. Um, but I guess um, it's the best place to start is, I guess, learning about your earlier life, um, about your upbringing. You know, who was uh, young Louis Bollard? <laughs> good question. Um, yeah, I think I... I guess I was always kind of subconsciously without being aware, interested in entrepreneurship and business and stuff like that. Um, obviously in the UK from a young age, you don't really get taught it as such. So it doesn't really get codified. Um, but yeah, at a young age, I was doing the kind of typical things that I guess young entrepreneurs would do. So like, uh, I remember on like Halloween getting loads of money. So going out like two or three nights if I could, um, when you'd go around and then kind of like doing car washes in the summer and summer holidays and stuff. I remember doing that with one of my friends um, and getting some money that way. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, again, we used to do like carol singing. We got quite a lot of money doing carol singing as well. Um, so I guess in like those little ways, I was really interested in just kind of making my own money. Um, and yeah, I, saying that I did, I did still work. So I did like a paper round, like typically when um, just as, as soon as I got to like 13, 14, um, and then worked like part time in a school alongside my like TCSEs and A levels and stuff. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't really say like I was ever big into kind of reading about it or studying it or um, watching videos and stuff like that. It was more just a natural instinct that I wanted to do, really. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and I guess just the next kind of question to follow on from that is obviously you've kind of talked to just really briefly about your protein company and then also host fan. So if you could kind of just go into a bit more detail just about what they both are. And I guess kind of quite importantly, I guess just kind of how those ideas started, how they came about. And then and then I guess just the kind of development of, of those businesses since since those ideas. Yeah. So um firstly Sorry, kind of just before uh, the protein business. So while I was at university, I ran a uh, startup as well, uh, which was uh, very kind of like, what would you say, cash generative. Um, it was quite profitable. Um, I, the summer before I came to university, I went to like Barcelona and I saw like those flying, have you ever seen those like flying gadgets that kind of float down from the air? People like fling them up in the air. With yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So I saw those in Barcelona year before the summer before uni, and I was like mesmerized, and I was like, they're pretty cool. Um, but I've never seen them obviously in the UK, so I imported like five, six thousand of those um, from China um, and got like a little license which allowed me to sell those. And that was really nice because it was quite easy to fit alongside my studies, and like you could just go out on a weekend for a couple of hours or whatever, um, and there was no kind of commitment and stuff. So. Yeah, that was good. That was kind of my first taste. Um, and then kind of properly, I guess. And then when I finished university, one of uh, I made a friend from. So sorry, before I went to university, I went to Peter Jones Enterprise Academy, which was a uh, enterprise academy set up by Peter Jones from from Dragon's Den um, and kind of met like a load of young entrepreneurs and uh, aspiring and enterprising individ individuals there so from there when I finished university one of those had actually gone and set up that protein brand only probably about six months in maybe he was probably only about three six months in and basically at the end of uni came around and said look I've they, he had an investor on board by that stage um and said we're looking for somebody to come in and and sell it and run like the marketing and sales side so we want that person to be you would you be interested in doing it and i was just in my last kind of three or four months at uni so it worked out perfectly in terms of timeline didn't really want to go down the corporate big company commercial mm -hmm. route so yeah took that um which was really good it was two years i was there for like 18 months two years and that was all to be honest that was just like a crash course in everything entrepreneurship we were doing absolutely everything it was a massive massive role in terms of like literally just the two of us but we were normally you just work on the branding and stuff and get somebody else to produce it and supply it and all the rest of it but we literally had a factory where we'd make them ourselves so part of my role was literally making them ordering the ingredients deciding the ingredients um, designing the packaging all manner of stuff uh website stuff getting them into shops and dealing with customers so yeah that was like 18 months i'd say and then during that period i kind of had the idea for what is now host a fan because in 2017 there was a champions league match between Borussia dortmund and monaco and the supporters made this uh mutual exchange uh of hosting because like the game got delayed by a day so that had given me the idea of that and i was like oh why is that only a thing like in an emergency when the game's been delayed and why isn't it just a, a standard thing um yeah so that's what then inspired me to create i called it playway stayway at the start so that's what inspired me to create playway stayway it also reminded me and what gave me the real vision for it was that i'd used a cycling community that does the same thing the summer before so i'd stayed with like a number of cyclists who were hosting me along a particular route and in with the idea that i would then host them if they ever needed to be in my location or um, anyone else on the platform was in was in my location on the back road mm. so so you've talked about i guess um a bit before that um your startup at university um and I guess what I just want to understand is, you know, how how difficult was it to balance your um, studies whilst trying to build and grow that startup? And I guess, um, did it f force you to challenge um, uh, society's, you know, conventional route of uh, going to university, getting a degree, all that jazz? Um, did you ever have that moment where you've 
felt like you know dropping out of university and pursuing um that full time or um i guess did you just enjoy education as well yeah i'd probably say more the latter like i i enjoyed doing both of them alongside each other um and the way that they complemented each other and it was never really the kind of scale or magnitude that i'd be like oh i need to stop and do this full time you know it was just a it was almost a part-time job that paid very well and was very good for mm. teaching me this that and the other um right. so yeah it wasn't like the zuckerberg dropped out of harvard and started <laughs> it and never looked back kind of thing it was more uh yeah it was just it was just a really good experience for me um and what i think i liked was that i was selling them myself so part of that is just a sales skill and this chat and you learn how to interact and engage with a whole plethora of people from like old people who want them for their grandchildren to the actual four or five year old kids who see them and like are amazed and then beg their parents for them so it was quite a nice experience in that sense wow. uh, yeah i don't think i ever i didn't really put two and two together in terms of you know doing coursework around it or applied business logic there was a stage where i thought how would you expand a business like that so it's not just me going out on a any given evening in the dark um selling them and i think it came down to a kind of franchise model whereby i would sell them to individual sellers across the uk um, which i did a little bit of experience with so i got a few people sell them in various locations um like on bonfire night and uh stuff like that and then the christmas markets but it was just more challenging than it was uh, profitable, really, to do it that way. Mm, okay. And um, you talked about the <laughs> Jones um, Business Academy. How did that come about? I think when I left school, I just wasn't completely sure on that route of, you know, go to uni, get a degree, go and get a job. Oh. And like, like what you say there, like the societal route. So I just was quite open and quite keen to look at other things that were out there. Um, and then that had only just started up, I think like two or three years before. And yeah, I came across it, applied for it and they gave me an interview and then, yeah, I got on it with, uh, there was probably about 50 other young entrepreneurs and stuff. So it was quite a um, small group of us. And I guess just back to kind of um, host fan of you kind of just share kind of what what stage that's at, at the moment because you've said kind of about how you came up with the idea and and kind of how it's developed but if you kind of share kind of what stage it's at but then also kind of your just your vision for host a fan in the I guess next three to five years or something yeah so at the moment I'd say I'm pretty much kind of MVP level so I've got a website there where people can go on and um, create their profiles, they can message each other on site, you can view other people's properties like you can on Airbnb, um, and you can then request to come and stay with somebody for a certain fixture or whatever. Um, you can leave feedback and stuff like that on there. So I'm at MVP stage without any real strong traction. So I've had a few use cases and a few coming up, hopefully, but not really any kind of concrete um, what would you say like revenue growth um or whatever and i think mainly that's because of covid and uh, i wasn't really able to do much during the first kind of 18 months or so which is why i did the mba essentially at bath um alongside it and then since then i've kind of been going for a year or so now maybe um just trying to bootstrap it trying to pivot trying to learn in that time i've rebranded it 
from uh, Playway, stay away, I mentioned earlier, uh, to host a fan. That mainly came from like customers and what they were saying to me, and a lot of them were joking that host fan of neg- uh, sorry, Playway, stay away, had negative connotations of kind of cheating and staying away from wife and stuff, um, which I agreed to, which is, I think, one of the key lessons in entrepreneurship is just being willing to adapt and learn. So I sat down with some guy who's like a commercial marketing uh, manager for a um, design firm or something like that and he basically said to me like he was like oh, i really like the idea I like the concept i think you've got a good website and a product he's just like i just think about the the name because play away stay away isn't really doing it for me or whatever and within about a week or so i was like i kind of like let's see it i spoke to a couple of other people and then within a week i changed it and i decided on host a fan um and the branding and stuff like that so my vision is just to replicate the experiences I had on that cycling community um, and on the the use cases that I've had so far, where both sides really like it. Both sides have got an interest because I'm saving you money when you come to my location and you're saving money when you go on your own um, away trips. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like mutual win-win and it's good for the sport as a whole um, in terms of increasing audiences and reducing the average age and making it more accessible essentially um so yeah that's the vision and i think what's quite important to realize is that there's also then potential to do that in a lot of other areas so where airbnb is moving further and further away from being a kind of low-cost person-to-person communal model um, it then creates an opportunity for people with a like-minded mindset um, whether that's around rugby whether it's around cricket whether it's around football or even like other things like photography or language learning or religious belief or whatever it might be mm-hmm. so that's where i wanted to go in three five years um is to have several like host a fan mm-hmm. hoster i'm working on a similar uh, basis now for host a christian which would be a same for kind of young christians or christians of any age really to share with each other um and running events even so again i've got like one for half marathons and marathons and stuff like that mm. so yeah that's really interesting um have you have you received mentorship um throughout your journey you know getting host the fan to the mvp stage is that now and if uh, and if you have louis like how important would you say um that guidance and um you know the value of having a mentor there to help you is yeah so quickly i have yeah um one in like an official investor capacity so he puts some money in initially at the start um and obviously is therefore invested um into what i'm doing but then i've had kind of several other people along the way who i didn't know who have just come into contact with who've kind of offered and said look if ever you need some mentorship or some chats um i'm here and i'm ha- and i'm happy to help you kind of thing so that's been really nice i think with the actual investor that was a really it just gave me that confidence to actually step out there on my own and go you know what i'm going to give this a go um and be able to to kind of solidify that and obviously like financially cover the initial costs of, of setting up um so that was really quite quite powerful quite important it's just good to have somebody to to lean lean on to share ideas with um i've got a couple of other people who i use a bit more informally and like a bit more locally in bath um who again like just helpful to provide a bit of strategic support um 
because yeah when you are an entrepreneur and when it's just you it comes down to that and it, it can be quite challenging sometimes yeah. without a co-founder to yeah. um, bounce stuff off of and kind of mix ideas with having said that about the value of a mentor like i always tell people it's still your decision at the end of the day so you can have a mentor and stuff like that and they can advise you this way or that but for every mentor who says like oh you need to do your customer research 100 percent like research the market inside out you'll get one who goes don't worry about customer research at all like customer research is not really going to give you the answer the answer has to come from within or whatever so like it always has to be from your own path really so would you say it's best to like um especially in terms of mentoring keeping it quite a small um circle because i guess you don't want conflicting ideas do you yeah exactly a small circle maybe two or three people that you can really trust i think that's all you all you need yeah and um i guess you talked about uh you know receiving investment for your idea um i guess a lot of entrepreneurs uh more aspiring entrepreneurs find difficulty in raising the necessary funds to be able to you know take their concept to a proper business um how did you go about raising funding for your idea and um you know what were the difficulties and challenges you faced whilst doing that i think like looking back now um i didn't i'd almost say i didn't go through like a funding round as such like compared to what i see people now and now i've learned a lot more about entrepreneurship financing mine was just a very much a kind of angel investor who's knew me from my previous business so knew me um from the protein brand and was like i think that's a really good idea um i'd be happy to put some money in if you wanted to do it so i was like well fair enough let, let's give it a go um so yeah it wasn't really kind of like a round of you know preparing a pitch deck i did prepare them a kind of two or three page uh, pdf on what it was what the idea was and stuff um but i think because we had that personal relationship anyway he trusted me a lot more and he was quite willing to to do it and he quite liked me obviously so um yeah that's that's been that was a really 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 nice um kind of help obviously and then what was the other kind of like sub questions that was it was just say if you had any challenges um around raising funding because i guess you know you're young yourself and you were even younger before that and I guess age can be an obstacle to these things can't it you know Joe and I have that people don't take us seriously sometimes and it's really annoying but it's the case mm-hmm. um, so I guess was age a factor and I guess as a broader question how do you overcome the obstacle of factors such as age being a, um, uh, a detriment to your progression I think um yeah i think obviously age is is one but then i'd always kind of encourage especially young entrepreneurs that at this age it's you're as kind of adaptable and as willing to learn and as free and flexible to do it at the moment so i know investors do look at that and kind of hedge their bets and say well it's a higher chance of it not actually taking off or whatever um but then really importantly i think it's you've got also then look at the the nice side of that from the entrepreneur's perspective is that you can be quite flexible you can be quite um free you can be like i can keep my costs i've kept my costs so so low and i've only been able to do that because i've you know i've not got family to support i've not got a, a mortgage to pay off and all the rest of it so um 
I guess to overcome those challenges, you've just got to emphasize those points to to entrepreneurs, uh, to investors, sorry, um, and just kind of like highlight the fact that, well, actually, you're willing to give it the best years of your career. Um, and this is what you really want to do. Um, the other challenges I've had is being a solo founder. So a lot of people were kind mm -hmm. of, they just get quite reluctant with that and they know about the pace, which is catch 22, because I'm like, well, fine, and give me some money to be able to hire a co-founder and then we'll have a team of two and whatever um so yeah that one's been a bit tricky again it's a bit harder to get over that one for me because i like i can't pretend i've got a co-founder whatever um i think the only thing on that is you can almost argue that at least with a solo founder you're not going to fall out with anyone so like co-founders often will fall out um and there's i mean there's an amplitude of evidence on that so you can just highlight the fact that you can't really fall out with yourself no yeah 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 that's been really good and, and i guess just one more kind of question for me is is you, you you've kind of already talked about kind of some of the challenges and also kind of the benefits of just being an entrepreneur in your kind of entrepreneurial journey but if you could kind of just give us maybe two or three um, of the biggest challenges but also kind of the biggest um i guess best things that, that you kind of experienced just in your general entrepreneurial journey I think the the biggest challenge, well, I'll kind of like break it down into the two startups I've really been involved in. So biggest challenge with the protein brand was a the fact that we didn't have a clear kind of point in the market. So we had, like I said, we had three different people, the investor, the co-founder plus me, um, who had different views on exactly what the brand and the, the product stood for um, and then aligned to that was the product that they had come up with like I said earlier in the conversation we were actually making ourselves the product was absolutely dire like it was awful um, the initial product that I had to come in and sell so that was obviously a challenge in itself um, I was okay because I wasn't too emotionally attached to having developed the actual product I was able to quite quickly realize and learn and tell them that it was awful and they were very blind to that so trying to fight those in-house kind of like political balance uh, struggles was was quite challenging um but again like a really good learning curve and really good experience for myself um biggest challenge i've had with host of fan is a obviously the pandemic which just explains it just says it for itself like weird kind of plan for an 18 month period from when i started without having obviously a global pandemic that shut down sports and hospitality and travel um so trying to bootstrap and maintain the vision through that was difficult but then also just trying to convince people of the trust element and the loads of people think it's a good concept and they like the idea of it but actually getting them to sign up and commit to saying yes i will host someone or yes i will use it to go and stay with somebody is i can't really explain why it's just been like the biggest challenge that i've had so far um I think it's perhaps familiarity and knowing other people who've used it and are on there and stuff like that, that breeds other people going on there. Um, but yeah, that's the two. I think reward wise is just when you know you've made your own money um, and you've, you know, done something yourself. When you sometimes just step back and look at a few of the things that you've done and what you've developed is, is quite rewarding. Um, and also for me personally, I really enjoy the element of doing a little bit of everything and like today I was literally working for hours on the website on the Google console on really technical stuff that two years ago I've never had a clue about like 
I'm not technical at all, but then also kind of creating videos uh, for the marketing outreach, doing uh, calling up members and stuff like that. So it's quite a multifaceted thing. So how important would you say, I guess, enjoying the journey um, is, you know, enjoying the process of actually building something um, that potentially could have legs um, is for your overall drive and uh, motivation in business i think to be honest i think that's everything especially when you're a solo founder and you're not like i'll put my hands up i'm not kind of like making revenue and stuff like that now so having that vision and that belief in like what you said this could have so much potential in two three years is the only thing like i wouldn't really be doing it otherwise um and not even financial potential just potential for people to use it and experience it and, and enjoy it so it's like you can't really underestimate how important that is really mm. and i i assume I, I potentially assume that um you know you go through rough patches yourself um trying to build this um what i guess motivates you to uh push through those rocky times when you when you when you might think you know what what's the point you know why am i doing this i've got a lot of stress i've got a lot on my back how do you push through that i think having a kind of very relaxed and confident outlook anyway mm. so like i'm generally quite lazy fair and like trusting in the process and what will be will be and like not being too stressed and anxious i'll admit like anyone who was on that uh further down that spectrum of anxiety and stress and worry than me would have easily given up by now they just couldn't have and even people like say to me like i don't know how you've managed to kind of you know still still stick true to that vision and that belief um so that and i think for me because i used that cycling platform before I just know instinctively, like I had honestly probably the best holiday I've ever had, um, had amazing experiences with with hosts, um, with people who were complete strangers um, before I got there. And now it's at the point where I'd literally go out of my way to host people back to kind of reciprocate that. So um, I think that for me is what's, again, like kept me really clear that there is a, a market there um whether as i alluded to earlier whether that market's actually in rugby or not in a different sport or in a different area is a different thing um but just knowing that there is some opportunity for a like-minded version of airbnb which is more based on reciprocity and hospitality than it is on commercialization Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's good. I, I, and I guess kind of one more just question for me is I think a lot of people listening will kind of be um, potentially entrepreneur and have that kind of flair, but not kind of have that, um, I guess, as you said, confidence to, to take that step. And I guess, I guess kind of as, as you finish university um, and now you're kind of solely working on host fan, um, I'm just wondering what kind of you'd say to people who, who, who were, I guess, just a bit too afraid to take that leap into entrepreneurship and kind of just see the nine to five as I guess boring but also I guess a reliable kind of income stream and just kind of what you're what, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess like what just what you'd say to someone who's who's a bit too scared to take the risk what would you what would you say to 18 year old Louis Bollard I think I'd say just do it like just just take that step there's never I'd say there's never a wrong time to 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 do something you know like if you're I'm 29 now and if I looked back if I'd never done anything, I'd probably look back and go, oh, I should have done it when I was 18. 
and then when you're 25 you look back and go oh I should have gone should have done it when I was 22 and like yeah. when I'm 40 I should have gone oh I should have done it when I was 29 that was my prime time like I was absolutely perfect stage to do it so you can always find an excuse not to do something um if you really want to do it you've just got to do it take that first step um and then learn along the way because yeah there's it's the same principle with everything but there's never a wrong time to to get started if that's what you actually really want to do so on this podcast we're we're big about giving advice and um obviously from people like yourself who are you know in the trenches and uh you know pursuing their entrepreneurial journeys um what would you say is your number one piece of advice that you would give to you know any aspiring entrepreneur like one one piece of advice be adaptable i think mm -hmm. in two words it would be be adaptable i think that's probably the best uh the best way to summarize it because you've got to be determined and you've got to be persistent yeah but at the same time there's no point being determined and persistent if you're just being stubborn and like not really listening to users and not really changing anything. So I think it's mixing that persistence and determination with adaptability. So being able to go like, okay, this hasn't worked. Why hasn't it worked? What can I do better? Um, Cause that's how you improve essentially. So I guess sticking with it and uh, being um, adaptable to change and pivoting and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah all like the typical stuff that they tell you but like that is the the key like people say persistence is the key but if you persist with like the wrong thing without yeah. ever learning and without ever changing anything it's not actually going to get you anywhere persisting with like your vision but being able to adapt it is is hopefully and yeah, yeah. what will actually get you there mm -hmm. well i guess that's quite a nice place to round off this episode um thank you once again for hopping on louis um you know it's been great to learn about your story and what you're doing now and you know hopefully everything goes well and uh we wish you the best of luck with your pursuit um and you know if you if you do you have any socials that you want to plug or anything or you know host a fan website um if people are interested then you know they can go onto your website and uh, maybe use it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch, uh, you can do, well, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you search for Louis Bollard, L-O-U-I-S-B-O-L-L-A-R-D, um, probably best to reach me on there. And then from that, you'll find the website, uh, which is www.hostofan.co. So not .co.uk or not .com, just .co. And yeah, have a little look. Uh, it's on Instagram, which is hostofan and on facebook if you search for host fan as well um yeah yeah thank you louis for joining Thanks us so much, louis. no worries at all gents. Yeah,